All right. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open it to page two. Open your Bible to page two. So this is what we're doing. For the next four weeks, we are going to explore what it means to be in spiritual family together. And so what I want to do is I'm not going to bury the lead. I'm going to tell you exactly what I want to happen. I mean, like, as much as I can, like, predict what it is that God wants to do and that kind of stuff. But what it is that we want you to do and participate with as a community. Um, And so I want to say, like, I actually have an agenda, and it's this. We want every person who calls Easton Fellowship their church home to be in one of our house churches by the end of this series. Now, a couple points. Number one... Uh, I will say that we have, up to this date, called them missional communities. Um, We are now going to be calling them house churches. We took surveys. We had nine listening dinners. We had all sorts of different stuff and getting feedback. And basically, the reason we are changing the name isn't because we're changing what these things do. We're changing it to a name that feels easier to explain when you invite people to it. You might be thinking to yourself... Well, this doesn't feel that easy either. That's because there weren't great solutions. We're picking the best one of things that we felt were mediocre at best, but we are excited that house churches are here at East End Fellowship. (laughs) So I am telling you exactly what I'm hoping you will do. You have free will, though. You have choice. You don't have... You have choice. Free will. I'm not going to go down that path. We want to help you get into one. So if you, have, if you checked a box that said, hey, I want to get in one, we are going to be getting in touch with you. We have a, a small team of people. They're going to be in conversation with you to help you get to the missional, excuse me, the house church that is best for you. Uh, most of them are going to formally meet once a week. Not all of them do, but most do. Um, but they have a whole life and vitality to them outside of just the one time a week they are together. This is the, the easiest way to understand what it is that I mean by that. Uh, there are 168 hours in a week. Like, if you have family, if you have a mother, a father, an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent, a cousin, whatever it is, they, don't, they aren't just your family when you have dinner together. They're your family all the hundred and other some hours of the week when you're not together. And so what we are trying to do is to cultivate a particular kind of life together. So while we, most of them get together once a week, it's we are a family and we are being together apart from just that. So there will be times when you're together outside of the planned nights as well. Not because you have to be, but because that's what people who are friends do. Does that make sense? We're going to keep going. We want you in a house church because we think it's vital that people are connected to spiritual family. This is the second caveat. A house church is not the only way to do that. So do we want everyone who calls Easton Fellowship home to be part of a house church? Yes. Is that the only way to be part of a spiritual family? No. Thank you very much. A house church is not the only way to do that. Of course not. But it is the way that we believe most people at Easton Fellowship are going to connect and be part of a spiritual family. So what we are going to do for the next four weeks in our sermons is we're really going to focus on that. And there's a very particular way that we're going to look at it. We are going to look through the story of the Bible and what is honestly like the broader story of history in in the four different movements that we might oftentimes talk about. And it's this. The story of the Bible is creation, fall, redemption, and anyone? Restorate. Well, it's already up there, so it's like a cheat. The story of the Bible is creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. And what we're going to do is look how spiritual family intersects at each point in the story. 
And so th- this, is the, this is the thing that we just kind of have to go with. We recognize tonight we're going to talk about creation. That's what we're going to talk about. We recognize that there is something involved in creation that has to do with us tonight. But there's a certain kind of tension because that's not actually the place right now that we find ourselves in. And so we're going to have to just let ourselves be in that place and feel the tension. But that's kind of the point, is that we would feel the tension. And so what we're going to look at is that for each of these, there's a different question around spiritual family that we're going to hit. If you want to put up the next slide. For creation, and the question that we're going to be asking tonight is, why do I have such a deep longing for spiritual family? Why do I have that deep longing? For the fall, we're asking, why do I find it so hard to give myself to spiritual family? For redemption, we're asking the question, why do I feel most alive when life and spiritual family works well? I might reconstruct that question. And then restoration, why do I want other people to experience spiritual family? And so we're going to hit the why for each of these as they intersect the story of God, which coincidentally is our story. The story of God is our story. So before we begin, I have probably said the phrase spiritual family 21 times so far, something like that. It makes sense to actually have a common definition that we're going to use. So when I say spiritual family, what do I mean by that? Because the way you think about it and the way I think about it might be different. So when I say it, this is what I mean. Spiritual family is a group of people the size of an extended family. So aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents, cousins, the whole deal, related by blood and not. So some of us might be related, some of us might not be related, who choose to share life together as they center all of their lives around following Jesus. So not some of their lives, not two hours a week, all of their lives we choose not to live in isolation. We choose to share a common life together. Our life is pointed in a common direction and we have chosen that together. Not because we had to, but because we chose to. So when I talk about spiritual family, that's what I'm talking about. I'm I'm trying to be really, really specific on that so that when we talk about it in the the following weeks, we're, we're coming from a common place. We're exploring spiritual family and what that looks like in the 21st century. I want to invite you to bow your heads with me, and we're going to pray. So, Lord Jesus, we we ask that you would have this time, that it would be set apart. Uh, We believe that it is not by coincidence, it's not by happenstance, it's not by accident that each person is here tonight. We believe that there is some kind of divine orchestration that has led us to this point. There's something uh, that that you are stirring in each of us and that you are stirring collectively in us as a body. So allow us to be present to your Holy Spirit tonight. Your spirit is here. Allow us to be here. Lord, we ask that your word would speak powerfully tonight. Not, not my word, not Doug's word, the word of God, that it would speak powerfully tonight. We ask that you would speak to us individually tonight, whatever it is that you need us to hear. We ask that you would also speak to us collectively, that we would have a common experience of, of your spirit moving tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the question that we're asking today is just this. Why do I have such a deep longing for spiritual family? Why, why is that like rooting around inside of you? And so if you're physically able, 
what I want to invite you to do is to stand for the reading of God's word tonight from Genesis chapter 1. So we're going to read from Genesis chapter 1 and a second passage from Genesis chapter 2. Starting in verse 25, excuse me, 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image and the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over everything, every living creature that moves on the ground. And then we're going to read a, a second creation story about the, the creation of man and woman. If you jump down to verse 4 of Genesis chapter 2. So this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, and no shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth. There was no man to work the ground, but streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. The Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of his life, and the man became a living being. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right, so the, the, the question that we're asking is why, it, it, why inside of us is there's this deep longing for connection, this deep longing for family, this deep longing for relationship and community? And so what I want to do from that text is I just want to pull out a couple of things, just a, a few things, and then I want to take a turn um, because there's one point that, has been, that, that we have maybe heard um, about what it is to be human that I think is really, really wrong. So I, I want to I I get into this text just a little, and then we're going to take a sharp right turn. Um, because the, the fact that we miss this, it, 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 what, what it does is it derails the question altogether of what it means for us to be connected as humans. So the, the first thing that we can pull out from the text, I mean, it's this really, really fascinating thing. Look at what it says in verse 26 of Genesis 1. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image. Now, the way that I think we sometimes envision creation is that there is this singular being, and he creates stuff. God is this, just exists, and he creates things. But this is, this is the mystery of the Trinity that like, I'm not going to get into, if for no other reason that it is incredibly difficult to wrap our minds around. God exists as three interconnected beings of Father and Son and Holy Spirit from the creation of the world, from the beginning of the creation of the world to the time that was before the creation of the world. God has existed in perfect community together. And God said to themselves, hey self, hey self, hey self. Hey collective self. We're going to create some stuff, and what we're going to do is we are going to create this thing, this, this human, and it's going to be hardwired just like us. The, the thing to point out is that God himself is hardwired for communal family life. There has never been a time where God has existed where he wasn't existing in family together. Never. There will never come a time in the whole existence of God, which will never ever end, 
where he will not exist as family. And this is, this is the thing. If we were made in the likeness of God, if we are hardwired just like God, that means we are hardwired for communal family life. Like, one of the things that I love about the Bible is that it has these, it gives us these kinds of points, and then it shows us, like, what does that look like, like, with flesh and blood on it? So if you go into Genesis 3, there's this picture of a God who, who seems to, like, have this regular practice of when the sun is setting, in the cool of the day, when things are starting to go under, the light is starting to fade, he walks around this beautiful, perfect place, with this adopted family that he has, and they're just together. Like, that is the picture of what it, like, what is, what is spiritual family life look like? For, it, it looks like this, this father who has adopted some kids, and every day they walk around together, and they're to spend time together. They probably talk about the day. They laugh together. They tell stories. Adam and Eve are talking about the naming of the platypus and why they chose that name over another seemingly equal ridiculous name. Like where did they come up with this name platypus? Well, when you have hundreds of thousands of animals, you start to get desperate, Adam is saying. And Eve is like, you should have heard the other thing he came up with. I promise you, it was missional communities or house church, and we chose the lesser of two evils here. Platypus it was. From the very beginning, spiritual family has been this combination of like blood and non-blood and humankind and God perfectly sharing life together. You are hardwired for that. You are hardwired for that. The, 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 uh, the, these people in the Jewish faith, they're called rabbis. And they were just these teachers who, like, when they, when they read the Old Testament, they're trying to make sense of what it is that's happening. And so for thousands of years, they were trying to, like us, look for metaphors and analogies for what it is that they were experiencing. I'll give you two analogies that people, or two quotes that you might be familiar with, um, that, that are very similar to how, like, Jewish rabbis think of this. Augustine, who is a writer like 1,500 years ago, I'm giving you a paraphrased quote of what it is that he said. He said that our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you, God. It's like we're searching for something. We're searching for peace. We're searching for connectedness. And it's, it's like this dove that is looking for a place to land. And we are going to keep flying and we will keep being anxious and weary and restless until finally we come at peace and rest with God. There's, a, there's another writer about a thousand years later, this man named Blaise Pascal. And what I'm going to do, I'm actually going to read you the quote, and it's probably going to sail right over you ha- your head. That is fine. It took me 10 minutes of just reading and looking at this to finally understand what it is that he's saying, because out of this is a very, very famous analogy that we're going to use. And this is the quote. If you want to, oh, here we go. Uh, we're missing half of it. So, the, at least the very top. It's no one's fault but my own. What else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim? But there was once in man a true happiness of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace. What? Okay. Let's keep reading. I promise. This is going. This he, this he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeking in things that are not there the help he cannot find in those that are. What? 
Though none can help since this infinite abyss can be only filled with an infinite and immutable object, in other words, by God himself. That is the quote where we get this, this, this analogy that is often used. It says, human beings have a God-shaped hole in their heart. And the only thing that can fill that God-shaped hole is God. The, the Jewish rabbis, thousands of years ago, trying to understand the, the great mystery of, of creation and the great mystery of what it is to be a human, they were looking for analogies that were similar to this, like, we have this God-shaped hole in our heart. And so this is the way that they would tell creation. I have Monty come up. Monty? Let's give Monty a big hand. First thing that I need you to do is to hold the microphone. Just out. Yeah. Clay. So it, it talks about in Genesis 2, we read this passage. Thank you. Is that, that God, when the water came to the earth, it created this like mud substance. And it said the thing that God did is that he, was, he took the mud, he took the clay, and he formed humans. And he fashioned them together in his likeness. And he smushed them together, and he was much stronger than I was. We have six Play-Dohs, man. It's a, there's a lot going on. And they talked about how, how God, he created this, this human, and then he, like, he breathed on the human. And when the breath was put into him, from the breath of God, he became a living being. Now, this is the, this is the amazing part. You stay right there. Hold on. You'll be fine. Okay. The way that... I'm going to have you back up just a smidge. All right. The way that the, the early rabbis talked about this, these Jewish teachers, is they said when, when Adam and Eve were formed out of clay, the thing that happened is that when God pulled away his hand, there was a handprint. And the, the, the way that humans were always meant to exist was with the hand of the creator always in the handprint. Like this. That when the hand of the creator was pulled away, there was something absent. There was what, what, what Blaise Pascal called like the infinite abyss of what we're looking for that only the hand of the creator could fill. And so we were always meant to be walking together, creator and created, just like this. But there are times where he pulls away, and I feel restless and anxious and weary. And then I'm like, I, Lord, come Holy Spirit. And the hand of the creator fills that imprint again. Does that make sense? Let's give Monty a big hand. All right, this is going to blow your mind, though. Hopefully that was good. This is, like, this is, this is, this is the problem. Like, there, there's a good side and a bad side. Of it. There's, a, there's a good side of that that is like, I was created for that. Like, I was created to be that connected to God. Like, I, like, 
I am this unique snowflake. (laughs) Like legitimately, like there has never been anyone like you since the creation of the world before there was ever anything, before matter existed, God had a picture of you in his mind and a picture of what you look like most alive connected to him with his hand and that imprint right here. The, the, the flip side of that, it is very easy to flip into something that says something like this. It's just me and God. My Christian life is just this radical, individual pursuit of Jesus, and no one else really is involved. And then it can go even further. I need God. I don't need the church. I wonder if anyone in this room has ever thought that or said that before. I have. Because we, 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 what that slips into, this thing that is right, if it's not full, what, what with the, the full context of what it is that we're going to look at in a second, it transitions into no one, like Christianity is a private faith that requires nothing else but me and God and that is it. And so, when something happens with the church, we're like, screw them, it's just me and God anyway. I found my escape route. All right, turn to Acts chapter 9. Here we go. Now we're going to have some fun. At least one of us will. Acts chapter 9, there's a story about a man named Saul. He later changes his name to Paul. He writes the majority of what's called the New Testament. The majority of the New Testament. At this point in the story, he has been hunting down, he's been imprisoning, he's been torturing, and he has been murdering large, large numbers of people who are part of the early church. And he's chasing down members down this road to a city called Damascus, which is in present-day Syria. And this is the, this is the story of where Saul meets Jesus. And this is what it says in verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Did you catch the very strange part of that passage? Saul is killing people in the church, and Jesus says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? What, what is Jesus talking about? Saul is killing Christians. He is not killing Jesus. Don't miss what Jesus is saying. He is saying that you cannot separate Jesus from the church. Persecuting the church for, for, for Jesus is the same thing as persecuting him. To experience the church is to experience Jesus, albeit, caveat, parentheses, very imperfectly. And just to be clear, when I'm saying church, and when the New Testament talks about church, they are, you, they are thinking in their minds, 
spiritual family. The definition that I started with, that's what they're thinking. They aren't thinking there are 500 of us in a room. We have a 501c3. We are, a, we are an incorporated institution. Like they are thinking an extended family. That's what they are thinking. And th- this, is, this is where I just have to like invite you to live into the tension. The tension is this. Like, what I am saying is to experience the church is to experience Jesus. The problem is that most of us have had experiences with the church that are nothing like Jesus. And next week we'll talk about the fall. Today we're talking about creation. But what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to highlight, what I'm trying to underline, is like the way that we are hardwired and the way that Jesus has set things up for you to experience him. Paul, so profoundly taken by this this meeting of Jesus, for the rest of his time on earth, when he talks about the church, when he talks about the extended spiritual family that is connected to God, he talks about it as the body of Jesus. The body. To experience me is like to experience the toe of Jesus. More than likely, it's more like the heel of Jesus. But spiritual family is a gift because it's one of the key ways that we experience Jesus. You have a God-shaped hole in you. You do. And he is the only one that can fill it. But in his wisdom, God has chosen spiritual family to be one of the primary ways that you experience him doing that. One of the essential ways that God the Father connects himself to that spiritual handprint he left when he created you, that only his hand can fill, is with people. It's with people. Uh, The question that we're asking is, why do I have such a deep longing for spiritual family? I mean, quite simply, it's because you're hardwired for that. You're hardwired for that. Without it, you are not living the full human life that God has pictured in his mind since the creation of the creation of the creation of the creation of before anything was ever created, ever. It was a picture of his hand connected to you. But the way that he would do that would also involve people. Now next week, we are going to talk about What happens when things go awry with spiritual family? There are reasons that some of us are not in spiritual family, yeah? There are reasons for that. It's not like we're like, meh, that's just a stupid idea, Jesus. I think I'm going to take a pass. There is a longing that you have for it. You were created for spiritual family. Like, to, to look at one of our last slides. Why do I have such a deep longing for spiritual family? It's because you were meant to experience all that God has for you connected to him while also being connected to others. You will never be all that God has created you to be without spiritual family. You will not. It's not a burden to bear, but a gift to receive. Oftentimes, Pastor Don when he, is, when he is speaking or when he is praying and he's leading ministry times, he'll be like, I want you to put out your hand. And he'll say like, I want you to say, Father, I receive your love. Father, I receive your love. What I want to suggest to you is that one of the ways that the Father wants you to receive his love is through the gift of spiritual family. 
through the gift of the people who know Jesus, he has placed in his life. Love is not just an idea that you swallow. Love has real hands and real feet. It has a real pulse. And one expression of that is interceding for us in heaven right now, and his name is Jesus. But that Jesus has an expression that is known as the body of Jesus, and that is your spiritual family. Are you open to receiving that gift? Being in spiritual family is the gospel made visible. Being in spiritual family is the gospel that is made visible. People do not need a perfect picture of what Jesus looks like, but they need a living one. And that is what spiritual family is meant to be. That is the gift that you have to give to others by being spiritual family. It is also the gift that you are meant to receive. It, 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 can, it continues to be this outworking of our faith. It's for you and through you and for others. And it's this constant give and take, pour in, pour out. It's for you, it's for others. I'm going to invite the band to come up as well as the choir. Um, th- this is just week one. Uh, of spiritual family, talking about creation. There's a, there's a reason that you want to be connected. You are hardwired for it because God is hardwired for that, and you are made in his likeness and his image. And so what we're going to do tonight is we are simply going to pray and worship together and respond. Like, what I, what I hope you're receiving is like, this is actually really, really good news. There, there is, I hope, this sense of you... We all have the experience of this restlessness inside of us and looking for something to, like, we're looking to finally be at rest. We're looking to finally be at peace. And it's not just knowing that, like, God is the, is the answer to that, but how God intends to be the answer to that. How does he intend to fill that God-shaped hole? Now, we are more than likely going to have people all over the map, Yeah? On, on where it is that their experience with spiritual family is. Some people, like when they hear this, they are going to be overwhelmed with thankfulness because that actually is their current experience. What I'm articulating is what you are experiencing. And that is amazing. And so the, the response is just saying like, God, I am, just thank you. Like, f- I, I, I want, I receive that and I want more of it. Give me more. You promised that I did not have to get crumbs from your table, but you welcomed me to sit at your table. Now, some people feel that deep longing. Maybe they've experienced in the past, but they are not experiencing it now. And it's like, God, I need your help. I, I, need, I need you. I, I don't know what it takes. Is it, is it checking a box and like someone is going to help connect me to a, a house church or whatever it might be? I need your help. And so what, what we as a church have to say as Easton Fellowship, as leaders, is to say like, Part of our responsibility is to shepherd and to steward you into those places, to be responsible and to get, like, if you want to be part of one of these house churches, we will help you. Like, that's part of our responsibility. You have to say, like, I want it. And we have to say, God has given us responsibility to help you get to that place and to see that you are flourishing there. Some people, they know what we're talking about is true, but you are still so angry and hurt from an experience with spiritual family. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week. But that's very, very real. And so you know the truth of what it is that I'm talking about, and at the same time, you want to drop kick it to the curb too. 
And that's, that's, I, I get that. Genuinely get that. Some of us, are, we're hearing this, you're like, I have no earthly idea what you're talking about, but I want to experience something. I want to experience something. And this is what I want to say. Tonight, wherever you find yourself, that's where we want you to be. We want to say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, meet with us wherever we are tonight. The promise that we find in the scriptures is simply this. Like, if we, if we will humble ourselves and cry out to God, he will meet with us. He doesn't need you to move to a different place from where you are. But he does need you to say, help. Come. Cry his name. Wherever it is that you are. And he will meet with you. So here's my request. Um, will you be open, just, just in the, the remaining time that we have together, will you be open to letting God meet with you, to letting him speak with you, and to share whatever it is that he wants to share? So we've got, we've got elders who are going to be uh, on the walls. We've got a prayer team that will be at the walls. This is, for those of you who are new or just uh, in summer, sometimes things look a little different. In our response time, we're, we're going to sing, we're going to pray. If you want someone to pray for you, We've got people that will pray for you. You would think. So if elders and prayer team, if you want to go to the walls now, that would be great. Um, One of the things that we have asked for is that if you are part of Easton Fellowship, if this is like the regular place that you would call your church home, um, we, we think that once every month you should be receiving prayer. So you could be receiving prayer in response to what it is that I'm talking about. You could be receiving prayer to like, I've got a splinter. It hurts. Pray for me. That's like... There can be the whole spectrum. We want to pray for you about anything and everything that you want to receive prayer for. But it does require you saying, will you pray for me? Um, so if you're new here, this will be a time where like people move around. Some people will sit. Some people will stand. Some people just want to just come up to the front and they'll kneel and they'll pray. But let me just open our time with this prayer. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. We started our time in the word with that. We ask that you would meet with us wherever it is that we might be. We ask that you would stir in us, that you would, that you would give us whatever it is that we need to hear, whatever it is that we need to experience, whatever it is that we need to see. And we pray in the name of Jesus that the peace of Christ would rest on this place. In Jesus' name, amen. When are you going to do it, y'all? Right now. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, right now. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Yeah. The Lord is. Say the Lord is. Blessing me. Blessing me. Hey, look, look, look. I, I, I just need one second. I just need one second. I know parents got to go. But I need one second. Sometimes things happen. And you know it's heaven taking a blowback to the enemy 
And so today's message was on spiritual family, right? Anybody? You, Marcus, did you get that? I know you know me. You know me working with me and you, bro. Did you get it? Marcus got it. We got it. Marcus got it. It's spiritual family. Spiritual family. This couple right here is me and Florence's spiritual family. Like brother of another mother. I mean, just to the bone. And this week, they went through something horrific. talk about spiritual family I, I, we, this, East End we're trying to help you see a lot of this stuff out here that we call Christianity is so far from what God is really after because when you're spiritual family you hurt when they hurt and so when they went through what they went through I didn't even have words to comfort them you know what I did I just went and sat on their porch and pray and they won't even there but I knew something in the spirit connected today one hour before this service they said you know what we're going to East End and be with Donna Florence what we're talking about with spiritual family will transform your life if you've been hurt by churchianity and churchiology let me help you out that was not Jesus Jesus is alive. His body functioning properly is the only way you enter into the fullness of why you were created. So let me just pray. Father, we thank you now. I thank you for, as Doug said, I'm one of these people. I can celebrate spiritual family. Because you've allowed me and my family and my wife and my Lewis and Marty, we 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 experience it. We've been engulfed by it. It it has gotten us through the stuff of life that happens. That we know who our true family is and how we point one another to Jesus. How we can bring comfort even when we don't have the words. Because as family, we know who our father is. We know who our big brother is, Jesus. And so again, God, in this place, we agree with the teaching. And we pray for every person in this room that they would humble themselves wherever their state is. To at a minimum, pursue God and saying, God, help me be in the family that you call me to be in. Lord, we pray for the various house churches as they are opening up and all of what's going to happen with that. And we cry out, living God, show up as people go into these homes that it won't be fake and phony and religious, but they will experience family. And then let me go ahead and straighten that out. Because sometimes family have stuff too. But that's for our growing and for our strengthening. So don't give anybody any like false perception our families press through stuff together too Jesus died on the cross to be your family so hopefully he won't cause you to do that but maybe he does because the Bible says I Paul said I die daily so we cry out today would you look at the person beside you and say I'm glad you came today and say this to him, son says, said, now don't you leave here without looking for, you got to look for your family now. Who's your family? Who's your family? Who's your family? 
Praise God. Amen. You know what we do? We get these chairs up. Thank y'all so much. Would you give it up for the choir, the worship band, musicians? Thank y'all so much. Can we just do a little refrain? Y'all can.